Hey everybody, welcome to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. This is episode 35. I'm your host, Marvin Yue. Uh, with me as always is my co-host, Christine Minji Chang. What's up, everyone? And this week we're joined by Alvin Lin, uh, marketing chair for SACE and the director of SACE Fest coming up uh, in less than two weeks. 12 days yeah well this is wednesday are we talking wednesday Uh, (laughs) 11 days less than two weeks less than two weeks yeah how's it going alvin it's going fine how are you guys out in la uh we're doing okay it's cooling down little by little um for those of you who don't know i just want to clarify sace is a society for asian scientists and engineers so they're an amazing organization and they you guys have collegiate chapters all over the united states correct that is correct Correct. So SACE is a 501c3 similar to collaboration. SACE is dedicated to helping Asian heritage scientists and engineers for success in the global business world. And as Minji mentioned, we have chapters all over the U.S. on various campuses and cities. We have currently approximately 4,000 members. Nice. And we are growing by the day. And um, Alvin's been working very closely with Minji over the past couple months, um, sitting on countless hours of of meetings to plan SaceFest, which is a big um, music festival in conjunction with your national conference, right? Yeah, it's the first one ever. That's correct. So October 10th, next Saturday, we are hosting SaceFest, Houston's largest showcase for Asian Americans. We will have over 30 different performers. A lot of these performers are previous Houston finalists, collaboration finalists. And we have Clara C, Dan, a.k.a. Dan, Paul Date, and Noel Coons headlining our show. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's really fun because, uh, well, it's, 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 a, it's a, a very validating process for, for us to kind of see how we can contribute. And it's been working with, with Alvin, with Khan, and everybody in preparing for the festival. It's just showing how much work and, and uh, preparation go you know, into all this, which obviously Marvin and I know really well. So it's kind of like introducing Alvin into that that world. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> this is a little different than the traditional collaboration shows since we're doing kind of a three stages at one time deal. You know, we have a vocal stage, a hip hop stage and a dance stage kind of going simultaneously all at once. So it has a festive type feel to this event. Yeah. yeah. Very excited. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're interested, if you're in the Houston area and you're interested in um, attending, um, you can check it out at stacefest.org. Um, Alvin, I understand you also have a personal connection with collaboration. That is true. So actually, I was involved with collaboration even before I was involved with SACE. I was a finalist for the Collaboration Missouri show back in 2010, which seemed like decades ago. <laughs> that is I, uh, a long time. was able to play second. And um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Quest crew. Uh, the current ABDC reigning champs was our headliner at that time. And, you know, it was a lot of fun that getting to meet them and performing in collaboration. Very cool. So yeah. what was your talent? You haven't shared your talent that we know. <laughs> My talent was beatboxing. I have since retired since then. <laughs> it's been a long, arduous road, huh? It is. <laughs> That's really cool, though. How did you find out about? I, I'm I'm just curious now. Like, how did you find out and get involved in collaboration when it was in Missouri? That was like a was that a Marvin, was that like a one show? They've only had one show, I think. Yeah, we only yeah. did one I show think, in Missouri. I think the crew that did Missouri moved to Tulsa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and in Tulsa we did like two shows. I think we did two shows, and then the director that moved to Honolulu. Yes. Which they 
two shows. And then... There's a lot of globe trotting here yeah. at Collab. <laughs> was um was Min also the um director of Missouri, or was it someone else when you did it? It was Kalai. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So how I heard about collaboration was I think I saw those videos on YouTube a long time ago with that guy in the orange suit. You know, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Orange that suit. That dancer. He was like wearing an orange. I don't know. Like overalls or something, and he was doing like he was dancing and stuff. And I think that was that footage is from one of the very first collaboration shows that PK hosted Hmm. back in I mean, our our big viral video from back then was the Dave Elsewhere video, but okay, yeah, I don't think he was wearing an orange, it might have been the lighting, but we have a we have several dance videos, it could be anyone, but yeah, I think the really funny thing to take stock of now is like when YouTube first started back in the day. There was less content. So I feel like, I don't know, the reach was like that much more yeah. incredible because you could just kind of spread like wildfire. Well, I mean, the, when the collaboration first started, there was no YouTube. It was yeah. like six years before YouTube even came out. Right. So I remember yeah. people sent me an actual video file. It was attached to an email. That's how I first found out about <laughs> yeah. it. So there was no, yeah, it was little file sharing. Yeah, that was like pre, pre-YouTube. It was all, it was all like... um like LimeWire, Kazaa, yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 all that stuff Napster. that we totally did not mm-hmm. partake in because we were law-abiding citizens. Of course, we bought all yes. the things, <laughs> everything. Wait, so so then you saw that's really cool. I I love I love finding out everyone's like anecdotes about collab. So you saw us on YouTube, um, and then and then how'd you find out about auditioning for the actual show? So several of the. People on the planning committee were my friends from MASU, which is the Midwest Asian American Student Union. Wow. Okay. Shout out to MASU. And they, I think what happened was I performed at MASU and they saw that, hey, this guy can beatbox. And so we should invite him to try out. Very and, cool. You know, I, Ohio, which is where I live, is kind of far from Missouri. But I was able to make the trip out there. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's it's something I will not forget. I still have the poster up here in my wall with Aww. all the signatures from the Quest crew and everybody. It's yeah, I want to frame it one day. I love it. You should totally frame it. That's awesome. I love it. How did how did how did everyone know that uh, you were uh, beatboxing? So were you like actively sharing that? Yes and no. I had performed at other talent shows in the past. Ah. I think just by word of mouth, yeah. you know, they found out that I had beatboxed. I mean, you got talent. You go to all the, you know, the culture nights and the open mics in school. I know how it goes. These are. This is why open mic nights are important. People, baby yeah. steps. It but is. Now, yes. Now you're an engineer, or are you just working for engineering org? Yeah. So I did engineering at school. I went to the Ohio State University. Oh, boo. <laughs> I'm a big Buckeye fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then boo. I went to the University of Cincinnati to do my master's in mechanical engineering. Wow. So I always tell people I'm an engineer by day, but I'm a I do marketing or SAS by night. It's fun how your extracurriculars help you expand your horizons. <laughs> Funny story. Uh, I know we'll talk a little bit about this later, but. I think in the year 2008, I went to out to California to watch Ohio State play USC, oh, uh, the Trojans in LA. I bet and that was we wanted intense. to spend a week out there for vacation and everything. And we were walking around. It was me and like, you know, seven Asians just, just walking around with our Ohio State gear around campus. I think the quad or the green out there. And this, <laughs> this moment, I will never forget. We were walking and this someone behind us, you know, someone in the USC jersey i think she was asian she mentioned kind of snickered oh there are asians in ohio 
And that just like <laughs> blew me away. I just, it just showed me, you know, that people out here, out there where you guys are in the West Coast and even in the East Coast, they don't know that there are Asians out in Ohio and There's probably people in the now that say that, but, you know, we're, we're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we're growing. Growing population. Mm. That's pretty bold of you to walk around USC campus wearing like, your Buckeye gear. I mean, I know it, it gets intense. I went to Berkeley, so okay. in true form, like, everyone hates USC. No offense, USC <laughs> people listening, but, you know, you guys have a rep. Um, but, yeah, very bold move. Yeah, cool. Well, welcome to um, to the show. I understand you're you're a loyal listener, so hopefully. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's it? How's yeah. it? I'm like, no, I'm not going to ask. Never mind. Yeah, but um, let's just jump into it. So um, every week we talk about the pop culture and social commentary that's affecting our worlds. And um, one of the big things that that happened last week was the return of Fresh Off the Boat um, to its second season. Um, is that is for Shuttable a big thing out in uh, the Midwest? You guys all like kind of is because over here we have like viewing parties and things like that. Like we're we're very, um, I guess, in touch with our media and representation. Um, is that a big topic out in the Midwest, or are you guys just you know catching on TV? Yes, I would say that the Asians and Asian Americans out in the Midwest do watch it, and we talk about it. We do have a few viewing parties. It's maybe not nearly as prominent as out in the East or West Coast. I, for one, am a huge Eddie Huang fan. Uh, I've read his memoir, and I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah? So how do you feel about yeah. him not being involved anymore with the show? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's really tough for him. Um, I don't want to go too much into it, but it seems like ABC is not portraying what he, his intent was with the memoir. If you've ever read his book... It's very raw, and as Minji says, it's very real, real. <laughs> and oh, it gets, God, I'm getting quoted. gets into some real, real, real stuff. And I think some of the softness and some of the extra details added to the ABC show um, may have, you know, deterred his intent for the memoir, and it's he wasn't okay with it. But I think it it's it's doing good justice for Asian and Asian Americans in in America. You know, we have that. We have Dr. Ken and. It's cool. I mean, I have, you know, since since I'm in the Midwest, you know, there are no Asians where I live, and the, even like the non-Asians can can come, come talk to me about ABC. Like they're watching Fresh Off the Boat. <laughs> Pretty cool. They're like, yeah. "What is? Is it right? Is it true? Does it represent?" <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a perfect representation of his, you know, actual story. I mean, they, they're still they're still taking beats from it, but I think in the second season, they're you know they're going even more off the book. But I guess in the same time, like. You know, when you sell your story to ABC for a family sitcom, um, it's kind of how how it works. It's kind of sad that he's no longer involved in because of you know of the things they that they like took artistic license with. But at the same time, it's kind of I don't know. I kind of feel like he's kind of a polarizing character himself. You know, so I'm sure his personality and the ABC like kind of working more like a family sitcom. I just yeah. don't feel like that initially. Yeah, it it was. It's kind of like a little bit oil and vinegar, yeah. Just from what I know, yeah. but again, I, I hope like down the road, and who knows how he feels now. I'm not, I can't speak for him, obviously, but hopefully, he still has that um, appreciation for the fact that his story has been a significant contribution to that general story. You know what I mean? I, I, I can only imagine how he feels like having his personal story become like evolve into something that's totally not 
re- you know, remotely real to what he had experienced and recorded and written out and everything like that. But I still think that it's a really amazing thing. Well, regardless, in terms of TV shows on the air right now, like that writing room is the most diverse writing room in probably in TV. And they just, they yeah. just added more Asians to it. You know, Shang Wang, who is a collaboration um, alumni. Hilarious. Yeah, he just he, he just joined the staff this year too. So you know, they're getting more and more perspectives in that room. That you know, like the Asian American experience, as you know, as we all know, it's not a it's not a it's not just one story, right? It's it's multiple yeah. different stories depending on what your background is, what your family's background is, why what your family does, and you know, each one of us are in, individual. Like we all experience it differently. There's mm-hmm. there's certain touch points, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the yes. more stories that this show is able to tell, the more diverse the perception of Asian Americans becomes in the mainstream. That, that's pretty awesome. I'm just like, I don't know why, but the George Lopez show just popped in my head. Mm-hmm. I wonder, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. the conversation we're having about Fresh Off the Boat and Dr. Ken. And I'm wondering, like, what the Latino com- community was saying about that. And, like, do you know I've, I've watched a few episodes yeah. and... And I, I, I could see even just I'm not even Latino, but I could imagine that the kind of comments that would or kind of discussions that would come. <laughs> yeah, out of just I mean, from that. from what I remember from the George Lopez show, I imagine the reception of that show was probably similar to the reception of um, Margaret Cho's first show, which is kind of all these jokes are kind of low. Like they're not exactly like for Asians. Mm-hmm. right? They're about Asians. Right. But they're not for Asians. Mm. And. While Fresh Out the Boat certainly isn't just for Asians, it, they do make a concerted effort, I feel like, to be more, I guess, sensitive to... And Asian like you voice, said, right? it's, like, it's about the, who's writing it, right? Who's yeah. in the writing room when yeah. they come up with the content, period. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this will be like a legacy, as you guys are saying. This is a milestone for Asians, Americans in, in, enter, in the entertainment world. And we don't, we don't know what the impact will be, but I'm, I can guarantee you it's going to be you know, very legit. I mean, the, the fact that it's a, there's a second season says a lot about the show already. Right. Yeah. And then there's definitely just um, different examples. Like for Latinos, you know, they now have Jane the Virgin, which right. is, you know, a really great, you know, Latin American story. More shows they I had, need to You know, they had Ugly Betty for a while, which was, you know, American for like, you know, Penelope Cruz. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then for uh, African Americans, you know, like Blackish telling different different type of families to come empire which i started watching like, empire yeah. i was just saying that that's yeah. oh my god cookie <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, so much <laughs> the evolution continues basically yeah but the reason i bring up uh, fresh out the, the reason i bring up this second season premiere fresh off the boat is um they told a very um i guess very specific story about family vacations in um, asian mm. america where it's not exactly a vacation because People don't take vacations, especially when you work. Like a lot of our families grew up on working, you know, stores, retail, things right, like that, where you right. can't really take a break. Yep. Um, vacations were kind of built into f- business trips, and that's the same with with my family. Like my father worked in import export textiles fashion, and whenever he would go to Vegas for the Magic Show, which is a big fashion convention that happens, I think twice a year, that that would be our family trip to Vegas. So I would go, I would go to Vegas maybe two to three times a year. Um, sometimes just for a day, we'd go in the morning and we leave at night while your dad's at the convention. Yeah. Oh. And this was back when, when I was like huh. seven, eight, nine, ten. So, um, we just, I think he gave me and my brother like five bucks and we would just stay at arcade for a while, Aww. maybe 10 bucks sometimes. Aww. Yeah. But yeah, the, that is the Asian vacation. Yeah. 
<laughs> was it the same for you guys, um, your family? Because I know your family works. Um, like- yeah, well, I'm, my parents uh, own a dry cleaners, true Korean American <laughs> style. Um, we own dry cleaners, but we've only uh, they've only owned that for the last eleven years. So that life has impacted like my college years and later. But growing up, um, my dad worked in an office as an office manager. I think. Again, I'm still like clarifying what my parents did when I was really young because I don't know. My mom worked a variety of jobs. I've, um, she worked in like a factory at the beginning. She worked in burger places. Oh. She worked um, for PG&E and like she worked all like so many different jobs. And I'm so proud of my mom. First of all, I just need to shout out to my mom because that woman didn't let language. She didn't let her inexperience. She's like in her early 20s when she first came here she just hit the ground running she didn't care and she she helped contribute to our family and um never stopped ever um she took really short maternity leaves etc like she never because we had grandparents to help raise us blah blah blah. but um so your parents were young parents they're very young parents yeah my mom had my brother when she was 25 and me when she was 28 so and they've been they've been hustling and then eventually my dad owned his own business and then they worked that together so then that allowed more freedom. But actually, vacations were kind of a key part of our family. Like, they always made time for that, which is, which is really cool. I feel really lucky. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alvin? Yeah, so my dad is an engineer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the good, <laughs> typical My <agent>. dad, too. <laughs> Yay. My mom has actually never worked. So after oh, she wow. got out of school, she was, her job is to stay at home mom, which is, you know. Very hard triple, job. Quadruple full time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger brother. He's mm-hmm. actually he actually works at BuzzFeed right now. Oh, cool. Stephen Lim. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to him. He he was an engineer and he left uh, a very nice, successful job at Procter and Gamble to do YouTube full time, and he made that. I don't know if you guys have seen it. That Asian parents react to "I love you." Yeah. That's my brother's video. What? And. Crazy, right? <laughs> Long story short, he uh, moved out to LA a couple months ago, and he worked for BuzzFeed, and he's in a bunch of videos. It's pretty cool. Nice, awesome. Anyways, I do have a younger sister, and she's an engineer at Ohio State right now. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> three babies. So there's a little, a little bit of influence there, correct? So, so my vacations growing up is very similar to you know the you guys. It's it kind of piggybacking off my dad's meetings or any. Uh, work functions that he had to go to and I don't know if you guys did this but one thing for us we never flew we would always drive we drove from <laughs> Ohio to Florida what we drove from Ohio to like Vegas once or something it was wow. crazy we would just drive because it was economical and fun and all this stuff and when we were getting we started getting older we would still drive but then these work slash vacations would turn into college visits <laughs> so we did the whole ivy league thing one spring break you know hit up harvard mit yale all that good stuff so i think the, i think culturally and then I you mean, went to ohio state <laughs> for what, the football, yes. what happened <laughs> yeah no i think yeah Cult- culturally it's just yeah i think asians for the vacation we just we they come to this country our parents do and they their mindset is to work, 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 and, you know, provide for the next generation, us. And the vacations that they take, you know, they don't, I think they may feel like it's a waste of time. And so they really need, if they're going to do it, 
like I said, they'll piggyback off a work function or something. See, that's the thing now, though. Like now that we're like all grown up, my parents are taking tons of vacations. Like <laughs> they go to Japan because my parents live in China now, and they go to Japan,、okay. they go to Korea, they go to Thailand. Like I see because they're on WeChat. Which they is text like, you photos. They text me photos and emojis like constantly, <laughs> and then they get mad when I don't don't text back an emoji. No、so、emojis for Marvin or from Marvin. And then they've discovered they, they've now discovered、um, online calling, so they leave me voice messages、huh. every day.、Too. That's cute. That's adorable.、Yeah. I love that your parents do. That. My mom, she she's all over Facebook and social media, and she loves the hashtag Just Saying. <laughs> She puts that on everything. It's absolutely、That's、hilarious. So cute. <laughs> it gets like over, like you just you're like mom. It gets annoying. Slow your roll with the just、yeah. things. That's、yeah. adorable. Oh my god, that just made me really happy. That kind of made my day. Yeah, we kind of drove everywhere too, like because. But I mean, Vegas was like four hours away, so it's kind of yeah. It's not bad because oh, from San Gabriel. I was、yeah. I don't know why I was thinking from like China to Vegas. <laughs> I don't know. No, your parents are not in China now. Not then. Oh dear! I need coffee.、We、Happy to, National Coffee Day.、Yeah. I mean, Vegas is great too because you know buffets just call out to the Asian sensibility of you know eating whatever.、And、my parents weren't really—they're not the type of people who just loads up on crab legs because <laughs> the crab legs.、Um, they like it's a very specific image. They um we we have I guess we kind of just <laughs> we calculate how much this thing would cost in a regular restaurant. So this slice of roast beef is. Typically, like see、so、what the bucks, better deal, but because yeah, it's buffet、like、roast beef, maybe it's worth about twenty bucks. Yeah, so we、exactly. need to get at least two or three of these to make it worth it. You know, <laughs> I went to、um, El Torito. Now you're just like making me think of buffets. We went to like we went to a lot of buffets when I was younger.、We、went to El Torito, which I don't know if it's a it's like a sit down place now, but I don't know if they had buffets. They did back、El、in the Torito, day. El Torito, the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. So, I think they have like a taco bar on Tuesdays. Okay, well we、that、went because I have it logged in my diary at seven years old that I had seven plates of food and I like、oh, wow. wrote it down as like a badge of honor. I was like, <laughs> I reached seven plates, y'all.、Uh, we used to, I used to do that with、um, bowls of rice at、um, Chinese dinners. Very nice, just because the rice is free. Yeah, and just three ninety nine, and then like you know all the all the stuff is very saucy. Yeah, very, so it tastes great with rice, and you know,、yeah. I was growing boy, and I think it was because my older cousin. Finish like I saw him eat like seven bowls of rice once. So like I'm gonna eat. I、eight. must beat. I'm gonna eat eight. Yeah, dude, I still can't get over the fact that Alvin, you drove from Ohio to Florida. How many? How long is that drive? Like I, that's the vacation. Don't quote me. I was. It's gotta be like I don't know, sixteen hours or something crazy. Did you guys?、It's, so did you stop like every like take two nights or something to stop me, or did you just drove straight? Yeah. Just, so funny you mentioned the food thing, Marvin, because. I don't know if your family does this, but when when I plan vacations with my family, or even like right now when I go with my girlfriend, we we do vacations. The hot spots are the food places, right? That's <laughs>、so、Marvin's life. In, like, there's this one like Chinese buffet, I think in like Tennessee or something in Knoxville that we always had to hit up whenever we went. We drove like south, you know, and when we would plan kind of everything around it. And like I said, even now with my vacations, I I make sure I list out the food places. And then afterwards, I look at the attractions and then the beaches and you know anything. <laughs> the food is what I have to hit up. Very nice. Oh, I, I, I ignore all the attractions. Just stick with the food. Yeah, that's all、that's、Marvin cares. I was about to say, <laughs> you, you you know where Marvin is on Snapchat and Instagram just because all of his food posts. He'll tag like the restaurant. 
which is good. And that's why, like, Marvin and I, because we travel for a collaboration, we're actually a good uh, good travel pair because I care about the attractions. He cares about the food. So I just don't pay attention to that, and he's got it covered. To be fair, I care about the – so I'm a big urban planning nerd. Our geek, okay. I think geek's the better way to describe it. Like, I like, you know, just seeing how the city runs, the public transit, the public spaces. So I kind of plan my way around, like, what are the most interesting neighborhoods to explore? How do I get there? And what's good to eat? And then what there? can I eat there? Yeah. What to eat? So. <laughs> That's so funny nice. that you guys had, like, big epic trips. Because my vacation life with my family, we never did, like, a giant. Okay, we did one trip where we flew. No, that's a lie. We did a, we did a trip to Hawaii when I was young. By the way, like a lot of families talk about how how um, wasteful that might be to like go take your young kids when they won't remember anything. Well, my parents are the Hawaii without me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. That's what I would, honestly, if I have kids, that's what I would do because like they they won't enjoy it. You could go to the beach in L.A. Do you know what I'm saying? And it'd be the same thing. Beaches in Hawaii are a little different. I but. know, but it's like <laughs> you're gonna fl- you're gonna fly two extra well, people. I see it like this. Like, am I gonna wait like? Freaking seven years to go to Hawaii. Exactly. When I can so go I'm now, saying so. I'll go with the husband, and then kids can enjoy, and then we'll drive all together to the. You know what I'm saying? It's flight seat. So you're saying you leave your kids with your brother, or my mom, whoever, <laughs> whoever's babysitting. But anyways, like so, we took a couple flight trips, and then one time we took this big trip out to the Bahamas, and that was like a really, really big deal. We flew out to Miami, took a boat from oh. Miami to the Bahamas. But my mom did it through this like vacation package deal thing. Did they, this, did they have to sit through like a big seminar so we, about why they should buy? Yeah, these, I uh, think it. I think it was that. I was too young to like attend it. I think, but my dad still gives my mom grief. Like she's not allowed <laughs> to plan vacations because we did. So she had that foible, and then they're really we, aggressive. Those they're people. very yeah. aggressive, mm-hmm. and yes. they don't take you to like the central part. We went to the Bahamas, but some random part. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, not like the this private beach where like they're building all these condos, which and, is really nice. But again, it was it. The accommodations aren't the same because you are going to somewhere that's a little, a little less uh, tourist heavy. So it's nice in the fact that there's kind of cleaner beaches, I imagine. Mm. But the food variety is less, and all this stuff. You know, it's a little bit different. So that happened, and then we also went to Vegas. But my mom did it. She had my grandfather visiting from Korea, so she planned it through a bus tour but the bus tour was for like really old people and it was all korean grandparents so our <laughs> entire family was not minus my older brother we're all like miserable on this bus together just my grandfather he wasn't even enjoying it and we're getting lectured the entire time in korean so the Bahamas <laughs> and that like my dad's like your mom is not allowed to book anything ever again no more vacations from mom ever so that yeah. my poor mom she tried yeah. <laughs> That's, that's funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. She's so cute. <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, for us, vacation was typically because summer break, we usually just up from kindergarten through eighth grade. Every summer was back in Taiwan. So we would fly oh, to Taiwan, okay. live with our grandparents for a while, um, st- like endure the sweltering tropical climates of Taipei. Yay. And um, mm-hmm. get eaten alive by mosquitoes. Did you go to Asia, <laughs> Alvin? We went to Asia a few times. So my parents are from Malaysia. Okay. So they're Malaysian-born Chinese MBC, just how just how I'm ABC. And yeah, we would we would always fly to Singapore for some reason. I don't know why. That's the closest and airport, I think, because you just drive up the bridge to Malaysia from there. I think so. And then we would drive up to wherever my par- grandparents are from. Actually, funny story. My 
grand my grandma my grandparents on my dad's side they literally live I don't know if you've ever been to, to Malaysia, but they literally live like next to the jungle, like ten feet away, oh. uh, walking outside of the house. And so, so they're not in like have KL a reg- or anything. No, not KL. So KL is very industrial, like very modernized right now. But my, you could call them Malaysian boonies. Mm. <laughs> my my grandparents on my dad's side, ten feet away from the jungle, we would have orangutans like running around, what? like banging on the roof and stuff like that, and like it's it was just. That's just how it was over there when my grandparents were. It's, it's crazy. That's a crazy summer, man. Then go back to Ohio from that. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like, like... <laughs> they didn't even have like, like they had running water, but they didn't have like hot water for the shower. So, and I was, I was like very, you know, I was high maintenance boy back then. <laughs> and my grandma had to like boil water, like, like boil several little things of, uh, of water and then fill up this pan and then dump it on my head for a shower. Oh, yeah. We used to have one of those in my grandma's place because she did them a shower. So yeah. yeah. Everything, like everything was like a tub. It's still Oops. like that in uh, my grandma's apartment in Korea, which I visited f- several times. And it was, it's mm. just a bathroom <laughs> where there's like the section on, in the corner for showering. Yeah. Showering. <laughs> but it's not, you know, there's no partition. It's just the <laughs> faucet. And then there's, um, what do you call it? Those big plastic bowls. Like they just, they have a little <laughs> yeah. stool too in case you want to sit. And you just, it's like the yeah. Korean yeah. spas. Like. Yeah, I've been to Singapore. I haven't been to Malaysia yet, but my dad used to go all the time for um, actually not Malaysia, Indonesia for for business trips. I want to go. Yeah, our but, friend Josh is there right now. He's been uh, Snapchatting and looks like paradise. Like, yeah, but it's like, like it's butt hot right now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Malaysia, the dang orang. I'm just now. I'm like thinking of Jungle Book. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but that's quite a that's a quite a vacation. I just went to Seoul where it was just hot. <laughs> I need to go back. I want to go back in the winter. Mm-hmm. But um, was I? Did you guys ever go like do outdoorsy stuff? Were your families outdoorsy? Because we used to go camping all the time. Yeah, my family didn't. We didn't go camping. Really? No, we, that was an annual not. thing. I went camping in my living room. Nice. That's fun too. Yep. Build a fort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think I think some of the church families went camping one year, and my parents like. Did not want to stay in a tent. They like got a hotel nearby. <laughs> wow, I feel so rugged now. Because <laughs> we would go. That's I think that's why we were really really lucky in the Bay Area because we had we went to Lake Tahoe a lot. We mm. actually, wow, my family vacationed a lot. Holy crap! I'm like really appreciating my childhood now. Uh, but we we would go camping and there's like the sequoias, there's redwoods, and there's um, rivers and canyons and all these places like within a, about two hour drive from where we were. So we'd go camping like every year and we would stay in actual tents and we would uh, have fires and all that stuff. My dad was very adamant about not doing like, we we, we were not a glamping family. We did not do this glam plush, uh, you know, showers thing. We would go, (laughs) when I was younger, we would actually go like to the river. That was what we had for shower. There were toilets, but no showers. Okay. So it was intense. That was really fun though. I want to go again. Yeah, I would say that's not typical for Asian families. We went with church people, so there we went. I I remember going with a bunch of Asian people, but I guess in general, maybe that's not normal. Depends on where you live. I think depends on where you live. Depends on who your friends are. I I definitely have friends who are definitely more outdoorsy Mm -hmm. than others, and they do they do camping. Like these, even now these days, they do. Um, they have this. Um, they do this thing called Super Sunday, where they they ride. They all ride mopeds and they like drive right off into like the woods for like. A weekend and then just camp. That's so fun. Yeah. Wow. I want to go. 
But the stereotype that I've always grown up with is like the casinos and buffets. Because that's what like that's the running stereotype of like old Asian people that they love go they love going to the casinos. Yeah, I mean, the first time my parents went to Vegas, they told me was with one of those Asian tour groups, and they just funnel you through the casinos, and then. And then my dad realized, wait, it's just a four-hour drive. I can just drive. So <laughs> I'm going every weekend. Well, we had Reno, so we didn't go to Vegas. We had Reno. It's not the same. I know it's not the same, but that's like Reno's so sad. It kind of is, but it's like the casinos and the buffets and all that stuff. Yeah, it's on the way to Tahoe. John Fargo's <laughs> Nugget. I remember that. It's past Tahoe. It's it's not like next to it, but yeah, it's yeah. It's like so. I remember having to casino. drive through Tahoe to get to Reno usually. I don't remember. Hmm. It's been a while. Alvin, are your parents gamblers? <laughs> no, my parents are not gamblers. They are okay. anti-gambling. Oh, so it's like a thing they don't do. It's not gambling if you know you're going to win. Come on, his dad's an engineer. <laughs> uh, he can calculate out the you know the algorithms. What are the odds? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he got this. My parents. Yeah, the house just... always wins, though, right? That's that's how they make money. <laughs> this is true. That's why you but... play craps. I don't know. I people the odds are least in their favor. It's more. It's not balanced because it's still in their favor, but it's. More, you're more likely to make some money if you play right. See, I don't know how to. That's do the thing any with casino games. games; like you have to play right, and then like especially that's why I don't play blackjack. Number one, I lose too much money too fast. Number two, if you play wrong, <laughs> they all yell at you. Oh, I black yeah, wait, people. I blackjack. Yeah, they all yell at you. Yeah, because you know you're stealing the dealer's bus cards or whatever. Oh, know. oh, oh! Yeah. I played craps one time with a couple times. I didn't know what the hell i was doing i just <laughs> threw the dice because i watched it from fresh prince of bel-air when will when will's like have it, he's on like a, on a streak so i just channeled my inner will smith and so i threw and apparently i threw something really good and everyone loved me and i was like yay and it was a really fun <laughs> experience and i threw it maybe a dozen times like i again I that's think a I pretty was, good run yeah yeah, yeah. i got tipped 20 dollars. <laughs> nice oh, and wow. i still don't know what i was they just told me like we want a seven or i was like okay you know, and I threw it. I mean, the rules the rules to any of these games actually aren't that hard. It's like you're betting on outcomes, and yeah. if the outcome shows up, you yeah. win. I just so, don't pay yeah. attention because I don't care about it. Yeah. It was just fun making everyone's day. That's what I liked about <laughs> it. I was like, oh, I made you money. Yay. Gambling is such a, I don't know. Like, I like playing games, but I, don't, I hate losing money. That's why I don't do it. So I play <laughs> arcade games. I'd rather games eat, right, Alvin? And I just we go totally eat. lose the money. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bacchanal Buffet at Caesars Palace. That's, That's a really good one. That's pretty good. What is it? Which one? It's the new one at Caesars. Um, they have like they do the same thing that um, the Cosmo does with their Wicked Spoon Buffet, which is they do they serve their um, dishes um, tapas style. Uh-huh. So each thing is kind of their own its own dish. What is it called? Bacchanal. Nice. Must go. It's newish, I think. It's the newest one. Um, there i think yeah yeah it's the newest one there Everyone's oh besides the sls um uh, but that SL. one's out of the way see i don't know yeah. these things yeah. i just learned from you guys well obviously i go to vegas way too much <laughs> vacations are rare though i just <laughs> took one. Oh, that's funny that's the last podcast we recorded when i was delirious and oh yeah when you were in not uh, awake the, well, i was in london england london <laughs> yeah Did last you vacay you took when you went vacation yeah that wasn't a working vacation? Yeah. We kind of made it a vacation. I mean, the last trip I took was Chicago. Um, I'm going to the Bay next weekend for Club SF and also to see family. Yeah. And I'm going to go to Asia in the winter. So that's going to be my vacation. 
Alvin, last vacation. San Francisco. I messaged you. Remember, I was asking oh, for yeah, some. Oh yeah, that was your last uh, vacation. Yeah, so for some good Vietnamese food, we went out to San Jose. Good stuff. That's where you go. The best thing about going to vacation in Asia is I don't know how this happens, but I think it's just the way Asians cook food with less butter and oil. Um, mm. I actually I, I, I eat a lot, but I end up not like I end up losing weight. Good for you. Wow. That's yeah. how I feel in Europe. It's because all the walking. Yeah. Yes. By the way, I'm sorry for anybody who's offended, but sorry, not sorry. I'm just saying the truth. London food sucks. Like, I was told that, and I finally experienced it. Like, British food is terrible. They have some good, <laughs> like, fine dining, um, and then fish and chips are good when you're drunk. Um, <laughs> but, With the amount of pubs there, I'm sure, is yeah, pretty often. But. I mean, they're, they're known for being more bland, but they have more... It's like um, Dublin... Irish food has the same stigma, but there's some new Irish chefs trying new things and, you know, using... It's just, I'm saying, the fl- it seems like the flavor is just not there. It's there, not but there. it's... Yeah. It's I mean, that's, you know, like we, we talked about this before, like, you know, back during the colonies, right? Like when, I'm sure when the Italians came with their, like, sauces and spices and, like, red sauces, everyone's like, what is this what taste? Is this black magic. Because I'm used to eating oatmeal this and potatoes, is- you know? Was the pho in San Jose everything you dreamed of, Alvin? Did did it? It was deliver? very, very good. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. very legit. <laughs> good. That makes me happy. Glad you had. Did you have fun in the Bay though? It's there's so much to do. I feel like there's not enough time to. I lived there, and I'm like, I still didn't experience. Did you have it. English breakfast? No, I didn't. Mm. Did you have tea time? I didn't. I didn't do anything right. I apologize. You know what? British people. What English people do have is good. Um, I believe they call them biscuits. And mm-hmm. we call them cookies. Yeah. And digestives. And... I didn't do the proper tea time. Mm-hmm. I should have. I was too busy walking around. They're pretty good cookies. There's some really beautiful people in London, by the way. <laughs> like, I was like, are you real? Oh, they're all trying to score the prince, right? <laughs> huh? They're all trying to score the prince, right? No, this prince is, is, it has been scored. The other prince? Yeah. Oh. Tough luck, ladies. Upon arrival back to the States, I saw it on the cover of People or Us or whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I was just there. Yeah. But anyway. Well, now it's time to groom their babies to score the next prince. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Vacations. Vacations, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about some seriouser stuff. Collaboration is a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans, the arts and entertainment, uh, where we do live events, digital content, and podcasts like this one. Leadership development. Yeah, we do that too. We do a lot of things, and we're going to do a lot more things in the future. But coming up in the next few weeks, we have some really, 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 really cool stuff. Um, next Saturday, October 10th, we're going to have Collaboration San Francisco taking place at the Marines Memorial at the Marines Memorial Theater. Well, that's hard to say. At the Memor- M- Marines Mar- Memorial Theater. It's going to feature six great alumni artists, including San Francisco, Melvin Scenes, Choir of Violin, and Blue. And Blue. And. Plus, we have the, the lineup. While you look up the lineup, I want to share a really cool thing about San Francisco. I've probably geeked out about this on our Collabcast before, but San Francisco is dope because. Uh, it is, it is an amalgamation. Is that a word? Yeah. 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 Anak. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Anak is. For, I love that. Shout out to Anak. I love you guys. Um, so San Francisco, they were on the sing-off with Nick Lachey. 
Like they did the whole competition. I don't believe they won, but they were an amazing, amazing group um, that that did some really great songs all on YouTube. But the coolest story for us, the collab story behind it all, is that San Francisco Six is made up of Sherilyn from The Delivery, which they were a finalist in collaboration in San Francisco, one of the, the shows. Um, she's actually funny. Like, this story goes even deeper. She was discovered because she was, uh, she was the sing, what do you call it, the freestyle vocal competition. She won the freestyle vocal competition the year before, and the delivery, which they were a finalist the year before, recruited her because they heard her at Collaboration San Francisco, competed the next year again with her as the lead singer. Amazing. So we have Sherilyn, and then we had um, Danny, who is a beatboxer, and he won Collaboration San Francisco 2013, or 14, and then... uh, 13. 13. And then uh, we also have uh, Kevin... Rodrigo. I don't know how to say it last. I think it's Rodrigo. Kevin... um, who was part of an acapella group from Level 5, and they were a finalist. So it's like three different finalists from different years, different shows, and they... So it's a super group. ...joined forces with some with three other amazing artists, including Dell from Legacy, which is an amazing R&B group, and they formed San Francisco. Awesome. So when that happened, my brain exploded. Yeah. And the delivery is also one of the, one of the performers of yeah. the show. So if you're interested, it's going to be hosted by Ashley Perez of BuzzFeed fame um, nice. against October 10th, 2015. Uh, tickets are now available at collaborationsf.org. Um, also taking place that day is SACE Fest, uh, which is the music festival held in conjunction with the SACE National Convention uh, or Conference. Is it a convention or conference? Conference. Conference, right. And uh, that's going to feature a lot of great local artists from the Houston area, as well as uh, some great headliners from the collaboration family, including Noel Kuntz, Dan, a.k.a. Dan, uh, Paul Date, and Clara C. I'm so excited. Making her first first appearance in a while, right? Yeah, she's been she's been working really, really hard. We just had the AMA with her. Yeah, and if you want to catch some highlights, you can check out, um, we listed the top 10 things we, things we learned at the collaboration blog at collaboration.org but if you want tickets to if you're in the Houston area and want to check out this great event uh, tickets are on sale now at sacefest.org um, and one last day to day announcement um, again like we've been saying the last few weeks uh, November 14th is the date for Collaboration Star 2015 which is our national finale show Little Tokyo downtown LA don't miss out we're in the middle of planning that so while Alvin is is feeling the joyous last days of preparation before a gigantic event like Safe Fest, we are in the middle, we're smack in the middle of planning our grand finale event in November, so we are all in the same production mode. Stay tuned to collaboration.org for more details about that. And finally, as always, uh, if you have any questions, feedback, uh, things you want to get on the air, things you want, things you want us to talk about, uh, please write in at podcast at collaboration.org. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And, and yeah, as always, always, um, you can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and on collaboration.org. So that's it for our updates. Thanks for listening, and we'll get back to the show. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Collabcast. Um, I'm Marvin Yoy, um, Minji Chang, and Alvin Lim are still here. I haven't scared them off yet. We are standing tall. <laughs> I am still here. We are powering through. Yeah, and now we're moving on to our next story, which is our social commentary story. Um, 
October is anti-bullying month. I just learned this from Minji because she just told me. <laughs> um, Twitter told me. Yeah. And there's a lot of campaigns going on. Yeah. I mean, it's really. And, I mean, bullying is something that all Asian Americans kind of. I feel like we go through even even those of us that live in a more Asian American. Oh, there's no. Area, there's, you know, doesn't matter. You know, I've had my fair share of ching chongs thrown at me by you know my classmates and stuff. But fun times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad that they're doing a month. You know, it's an ongoing conversation. And I swear, like, media can be really depressing just because you wake up and there's always some other story about in so many different ways. Again, this is not an Asian American problem. This is a problem of life. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm growing up, especially you don't really know who you really are until maybe like even like even your late 20s. You kind of know a little more who you are, but you're still, you're still not sure. Mm-hmm. But it's even worse when you're like in your teens, growing up, middle school. Like being accepted is just like- a big thing, and it's harder when you don't look like everyone else. Yes, right. Yeah. But I feel like bullying starts way earlier than your teens. I think your teens are when maybe a lot of those experiences from when you're even younger start rearing its ugly head because you're in this really high stress trying to figure out who the hell I am kind of mode and kids are vicious you know what I mean and and we can we can sit here and dissect it and just talk about environment and media and parenting and all this stuff like why children regurgitate certain things or where they learn these behaviors and how they start being bullies or being (laughs) the victims of you know bullying it's just I don't know that's why I just feel like this is such an important topic to discuss because we can we're we're speaking about it from one specific point of view in terms of our experience, mm-hmm. but this is a much bigger problem, obviously that's very universal and not restricted to any race or location. I feel like bullying just happens, period, which makes me really sad. And not to be cynical, but like the fact that it's always going to exist, I think we need to continue having that discussion. <laughs> Hashtag just saying. i don't know i'm like it's funny that you just said the ching chong thing i'm like i'm trying to wipe out like from my vocabulary too let me rephrase i am still reeling because i had a ching chong moment last week in europe and sadly it's something that i was preparing myself for because when I lived in Europe, I lived in Paris twice, two different times, once when I was 19, and once when I was 22 or 21. And both times, it was a regular thing to get harassed and ching-chonged and konnichiwa'd and ni hao ma'd all the time. And that became part of my life, and I got super frustrated with it. Again, it just kind of feeds this anger because you don't know why you're so angry. Well, no, you know why, but you don't know what to do with it. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it only happened once. Again, I was in Europe for a week, and it only happened once, thank God. But it happened, and it happened when I was walking down a street at about 1 a.m. with my best friend. You know, she and I were walking down the street in Paris, which is not a particularly unsafe city. But, I mean, it's 1 a.m., it's night, and people are drunk and out, and you never know what they're going to do. But it happened, and I didn't know how to react. I was just so – I stayed quiet. For a lot of reasons, a I didn't want to like beat this guy, and two, it's obviously it's a safety thing. I'm female. I'm in a city that is not my own, um, and just being female, period. You don't want to start something where you could be uns- in an unsafe situation, 
But I got really, really pissed off. It just really hit a nerve of feeling really helpless and feeling really enraged. And he was like, it was Konichiwa. This time it was Konichiwa. And it's just like, people get defensive. Be like, maybe they're trying to save him. He's hitting on you or he thinks that you're attractive. Well, he didn't sound like he was. <laughs> Wasn't he, that the general like defense for like harassment? It's like, oh, the, like, yeah, they're pretty, admiring you. Know? you blah, blah. Yeah. I don't care. You try, I don't know, just be be in my shoes for a second. And someone's like, mo- it's mockery. It's like, Konichiwa, Konichiwa. Like that's, I was like. Just the rage started again. This is this is the root of a lot of Korean American or my my little Korean girl rage. But that was fun. <laughs> so how did you respond? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. That's what I really? and I was stewing over it for a while after you that. Didn't kick him in the balls again? No, that was in Spain. <laughs> I was a little bit drunk and I was fed up. I had just been nihao mod too many times, and I <laughs> turned around and I kicked a guy in the crotch in Spain. Wow. But it's just you. It's that feeling of like, what did I do to deserve you making? F- I'm just standing here trying to enjoy my night. I'm just trying to walk down the friggin' street. What right yeah. do you have to invade my space, even if it's just verbally, to like make fun of me because I'm Asian or whatever? Like, it's just cruel. I'm like, what is the point? I mean, it's a power thing, right? That's the thing with most, most bullies is, you know, usually. It's, they lash out because maybe they feel powerless at home or whatever. There's all these studies or all these, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. and yeah. stuff. But I mean, sometimes it's just they've never been told that it was not okay. And it's just if they, if no one's ever told them it's not okay, they're never going to think it's not okay. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I remember um, an early example of bullying that I encountered was I think it was the first or second grade. I was, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very Asian thing to like not want to get in trouble, right? Mm. You want to be the good yes. kid. You want to mm. like, you know, like when you're in elementary school, your report cards is, you know, you just want everything to be as satisfactory. You don't want no ends. You don't want any checks because that means you're not performing well or you're, you're not, you know, behaving. Right. Right. So we were playing in the playground one day and then I said, shit. And then <gasps> this is the first grade. And then this this kid just like was able to use it to like, oh, I'm gonna tell a teacher on you and stuff. And he did it, and then he kept doing it every day. Wow! Because I don't know, the teachers believed him. Like I, I just kept saying like potty words or whatever. So it got to the point where like I had to play with him every single day, or else he would tell the teacher. Or he would tell my you would parents. have to play with him. That yeah. was his leveraging. And point? he wants to be like Sad. he had he wanted to be Chucky, and I was like the, his victim. So he had to chase me around. It's like it's bullshit um <laughs> what the wow. weird that's and sad that's heartbreaking and it got to the point where like i was like f this and then i didn't and then like he ran up to my parents after school and like told them i said shit and my parents like so <laughs> <laughs> nice Hit you in the ass didn't yeah. you crazy kid that's eventually sad. like the whole class there was there was enough complaints about that specific kid that he was actually brought in front of the class sat down and like lectured by a teacher in front of all everyone oh and public shaming yeah. I don't, what's the right solution that's really sad he's clearly just like really lonely and yeah, yeah he's, he's and the sad part is like we were playing together in the beginning anyway so like, we were gonna be friends but then he just i don't know what it was maybe it was the way he was brought up or whatever and then like in high school like he was just always alone yeah from then on, you know that's sad yeah. that's really really sad I don't know. I don't know what the right response is. You know what I mean? That's 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 the issue. That's why I think the discussion is necessary. For me, like 
to be honest, I was kind of a bully when I was a kid. But <laughs> maybe, I don't know, it was karma. But, like, getting bullied in that way of the whole, the sexual innuendo bullying, it's still bullying. Like, it's a it's power play. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to say because I can't jeopardize my safety. And usually it's in those kind of, and my dad just yells at me. He's been yelling at me forever. Like, don't put yourself in that situation. I'm just walking from dinner. Like, we had a really late dinner and had wine and whatever and walking from that to my hotel. It it happened to me in broad daylight. It, it's not like it's, yes, maybe it happens more at late at night when people are inebriated or whatever. But it doesn't, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't just like not live, right? I'm not going to yeah. not go out. So, Well, I think that's the thing Like with most bullying. Like, it's easy to tell the person, like, just ignore it. You know, no, but then I don't think that's the right. I mean, if it's it's it is a it's it's a power thing, right? They yeah. have power over you. They want to get a rise out of you. They want to like confirm that they still have this power, right? Right. It's just I mean, it's strangers too. I'm like, what the? What are you? Ugh. What? Yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of thing is it has similarities, but I don't know if it's a binary with actual bullying that like kids face these days too. Right. You know? Right. It's mm-hmm. different. I mean, that's a very specific. I mean, I've had my share of other bullying experiences, but I, I, Alvin, I'm like, we, you and I've talked about this outside this podcast, obviously, and you, you being born and raised in the Midwest, you've had a very specific experience that a lot of people, in like myself, you know, in California, growing up in the Bay Area, very diverse area, might not experience. Although we're not immune to that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it's. There is a different experience out there in the Midwest. Was it like actually you yeah, can't compare because so, you haven't lived in the Midwest? I don't my know my very first bullying experience, and I remember this to this day. I was on the school bus coming home from school or whatnot, and when I was a kid, I had really bad eyes. I think it's like a genetic thing. My mom and my dad both have pretty poor vision, and I had glasses at the age of like five or something, mm-hmm. really really young age, and. I think this is probably kindergarten, maybe first grade, coming home from school on a school bus. And I don't even remember what happened or why, but I basically got punched and my glasses broke. And I was crying oh my God. on the way home on a school bus. And then my mom picked me up and it was just, it was traumatizing. That's, that's <laughs> five years old? Yes. My God. It was, it was, it was pretty bad. And I'm not even it, your it, mom, Alvin. I want to like... <laughs> My maternal instincts. If that happened to my kid, there would be hell to pay. I would just yeah. know. I'm so sorry. No, I've, it's okay. I've learned and I've gotten past that. Yeah. <laughs> <Glad> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah. I've had my share of Ching Chongs and, you know, I haven't. So I don't. So I did live in mid, the, the Midwest for most of my life. I lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for three years of my life. Now Whoa. that was interesting. Whoa. How old were you I, when you lived there? I lived there. I lived down there during my middle school years, and so there was a lot of bullying there, and it was not fun. Um, but, anyways, once another bullying story that I remember was, I kind of laugh about it now, and I think about it, but it's not actually that funny. We had, I think this was high school too. We had like partners for our English papers for like it was like AP Brit Lit or something like that, and our partners were supposed to read our papers and revise it. You know, you may guess what's, where, where this is going. But my my partner, who was kind of a friend of mine, more of an acquaintance, he was in band with me. Mm-hmm. He marked all the L's and R's and with red ink and put R and switched it L and R. And I was like, really? <laughs> that was that was that was tough. Yeah. Clever. 
<laughs> I know. Like, he's funny, right? No, it's different what's, in what's the, the Midwest. What's the opposite of clever? <laughs> Not Basic, clever. Stupid. Sure, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. I'm sure yeah. he was um, giggling the entire time he was doing it, too. It's like, this yeah. is... It's going to be so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, it wasn't that funny. So, yeah, I think being in the Midwest is, uh, I can't say, uh, I'm speaking on behalf of being on the East Coast and West Coast, but we are a minority. We have minorities here in the Midwest. And one thing we do is we stick together. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know about the West Coast, but here in the Midwest, the Asian people, peop, the Asians here, we, you know, it's kind of like an unspoken thing that we're all friends and family and, you know, we got each other's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in school uh, at Ohio State, all the Asian organizations were just all really close and closely and tight knit and everything. It was just we're all good buddies. And you know, if, if something ever had happened, and I don't remember anything happening specifically when I was in school, but I'm, I would guarantee you that you know the several thousand or so Asians on campus would react and you know bond and be supportive. It's because it's shared suffering. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, college is when. You get politicized too. Like you, you get, yeah, for you, sure. You, yes. You know, identity politics. Identity becomes, you know, you you start that that journey of self discovery. And I know a lot of my the friends that I met from the East Coast, like they they all told me that they didn't really think about being Asian until college when they like met other Asians. Because mm-hmm. growing up, like as the only Asians, is kind of they didn't want to be different. Right. You know. This is when you're young. You just, like, want to fit in. You want to normalize and figure out or figure out how to make whatever you are you are and you're experiencing normal. And that means acquiring other people around you to normalize it. Yeah. So so that's one thing that really – and I'm glad you brought this up. It's one thing that really, really kind of drives – ticks me or something I'm passionate about is especially growing up here in the Midwest, you know, when I was growing up, I – like. Like I said, I encountered bullying in, in school and, you know, my friends. And then, and I saw bullying with my younger brother when he was in school and my sister. It was just, you know, not cool. And, and so something that I've kind of vouched ever since I was in high school. So when I started teaching Sunday school to the little kids, uh, this is a Chinese school. Ever since then, I've kind of vouched to myself that I would make sure that Asians and Asian Americans here in the U.S. would, you know, not just the bullying, but the whole, they're over experience would be very would be meaningful and that they would you know find themselves in it you know it's i always tell people this so i'm going on a soapbox here but no the our parents at least here in the midwest our parents most of our parents are first like they just moved from china or korea or japan or whatever and we are the first generation that's what i'm calling first generation so us being the first generation has a huge impact on which way the asian americans from for the next several generations here on out go. You know, we can fully assimilate and integrate with the American culture or we can hold on to our roots and, and the language and the culture of our parents or we can do kind of both. And I, I think it's, this is a very, very integral point right now, people like myself and my friends and peers, to really make sure we pave the right way for Midwest Asian Americans moving forward. I don't know if if four or five year, generations down the line, we're going to look like what you guys are right now, mm-hmm. or if we're going to be totally different, I don't know. But whatever that looks like in however many years from now, I think, like I said, this my my people, my peers right now have a huge influence on that. Right. Well, okay, so I had a thought. So, yeah, like you're saying, you know, depends on how you how you, how you um, 
define first, second generation. I've, I've always been taught that first generation is the generation that moves here. They're the first generation immigrants and second generation is the generation that's born here. Mm. So I that's think how I, th- I thought. In terms of marketing, it's also the way like they talk about 1.5 and second generation as yeah. like 1.5 are the youth that move here, like mm-hmm. as kids and grew up here, and then second generation are the ones that are born here and grow up here. Like we have a whole new wave of immigration now from you know from mainland China too coming into all like every single school is getting influx of all like Chinese because right now you know for for mainland Chinese people getting an American education is. I guess it's not really a badge of honor because it just means that they couldn't test into their top, uh, the top school in China. But then a lot of them are coming here because it's a high quality education that they don't need to compete for because right. there's so many schools right. and all these schools want these kids to come because They're of money. Paying for yeah. it. Um, so, and then what ends up happening too is a lot of kids just end up staying here in the States because a, there's more opportunity because, you know, our government isn't, autocracy you know, <laughs> and you know there's much there's much more um there's much more opportunity especially for females mm-hmm. here than back in asia too mm-hmm. uh, so i know a lot of kids that come here for their masters degree they all want to stay because mm. they can you know they can be well it's like what's option b like go yeah. back and and a lot of them do go back some mm-hmm. of them you know kids and ministers or whatever they're already on, on track to becoming officials but you know there was a study that was written on by the wall street journal this week about how in I think 2022 or 20, 2055, I think um, Asians will be the majority minority in the states. You know, outpacing African Americans, outpacing Latino Americans, just because of the influx of Chinese, you know, the Chinese coming in this wave, and also you know, the huge influx of um, refugees that came in last generation that are all you know having kids and moving forward. You know, um, I know there's a huge refugee refugee population on the Midwest as well, like in Minneapolis, right. And everywhere i mean yeah. there's yeah that's and i was actually talking about this i don't know if you caught that <clears throat> podcast alvin but i was learning about a lot of that for the first time or not first time but just on a much deeper level a much more inf- educational level through uh the films that i watched from the san diego asian film festival that's coming up in november um because yeah. i was a juror for that and i had to watch all these documentaries and feature films and so for me i wasn't even aware of that part of the Asian community. I had a very superficial understanding, but to really understand the stories and like the extent to which everyone is spread out and how they were spread out. And they're just kind of like sent off into, you know, Kansas and go, yeah. go there, you know, and so make a people community. had places to build housing and where jobs were. Right. Really. Yeah. Right. But like what kind of support was there for like language or for like family reunification and things like that? I mean, there's so many struggles. And again, that's why the whole story aspect is so critical because there are all these immigrant stories that are invisible and all these communities that are invisible. And because they're invisible, they're easy targets. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that yeah. impacts ultimately that confidence to say no, you can't do that to me or to stick up for yourself. And I think that's – for me, it all kind of ties together – um, when it comes to the whole bullying factor, which is what you know we started talking about, is that the whole psychology and the yeah the societal normalization of silence, like why people stay quiet, and there's a lot of different mm. reasons, and they're not stupid, they're not bad, they're you know yeah. they, they are for safety and they're for um, self preservation, and they're not no one wants to be. In, a, in an unsafe position. So how do you know if you spoke up and stuck up for yourself that you'd be safer or in a better place than if you just stayed yeah. quiet and under the radar? Yeah, and especially when it comes to cultural differences, you know, like 
how do you know that the community or society around you is going to accept that you stood up for yourself and like right. where they can listen to? There's all these different things that hopefully, like with stories with more multicultural storytelling, at least that aspect of bullying can be addressed so that the cultural difference isn't really the why anymore. And it, it still comes back to power plays and like kids are bigger, so they like they assert their power over smaller kids. Or like there's also so many um, so many examples of bullying within cultures you know yeah absolutely you know, that's what i'm saying it's you know? it's it's not even like between you know the asians versus anybody else yeah. this is like yeah. across the board and i'm saying this you know as a female too how much just by even my asian peers or whatever people that i was like trying to help by being a leader within a group how much crap i got for being a girl and being mm-hmm. the way that i am which is very loud and outspoken and whatever it's not like straight up like no one you know lit my stuff on fire or like did anything really <laughs> physically but it's still like it was mean it was unnecessary i didn't appreciate it it created a lot of like resentment in me and it it like stunted my confidence and what have you but that's kind of part of being a young person i guess but then if that's the case if if it's to be expected from some sort of you know somebody in your life is going to give you grief and like not let you <laughs> yeah go forth and prosper how do you deal with it you know what we can all just learn a lesson from that first episode, first of the boat, which is like no one's gonna get mad at you for sticking up for yourself. Yeah, actually, some people might get mad at you. Well, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> no, I've I've, I've had many <laughs> friends that like they got their asses kicked because they st- stood up and got in a fight and got like suspended or something. Yeah. My brother probably too. My brother got suspended a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't care. My brother's a badass. Shout out to my brother. Yeah, <laughs> stick up for, stick up for yourself. Um, but be safe. Try not to be so angry about it, though. <laughs> but it, yeah. yeah, like, see, that's where I have a problem. Like, not a problem. Like, I, I feel like it took me a long time to learn how to channel my anger. Mm. I have it. Yeah. I get really mad. Um, because I just get mad at things that I feel are unjust. And this is not limited to female problems. It's not limited to being Asian. This is just human. Like, we... Oh, the the extent to which people go to hurt one another just it really breaks my heart and it pisses me off yeah. and the, and and these are like the stories that you hear even more now because of technology and yeah. the the sophisticated yeah. ways that people go about bullying each other the cyberbullying yeah. and you know this is a whole new territory of ways to damage one another yeah. in a way that they'll never lay a finger on you but they could destroy you do you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know, especially just, when you're young we just still have to get to the dystopian future where Affirmation is controlled. You can't have a Facebook page until you're 15 and pass a test and get licensed because you're not responsible enough to go comment on the internet without using the F word every five minutes. So well, I don't know if I would pass. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it's you know it's 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 an issue that's very present in our communities. Also, just communities in general, like bullying is always going to be a thing as long as you know kids are like they say like boys will be boys but that's kind of bullshit too yeah you know, like, absolutely yeah. you know if bullying will happen to be an like, asshole you know just just you should know that to, you know if you're an asshole there are consequences exactly you know, social that's consequences um personal like just it's not okay like even in the working world if you come up to a bully there's so many things in place now to get that guy fired right <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> because it's not okay yeah, you know, but that's that's my big thing yeah. with like the anger, like why? And I I'm aware that as a person, like I can meditate and woo saw this anger out of my, and I do trust me, I do. But like for example, when I was in Paris and that guy Konichi what at me, I'm the one that walked away pissed off. I'm the one that walked away 
And I, I looked out for myself because I was not going to get into an altercation with this guy. I don't know what he's going to do. He was drunk and being a dumb, yeah. dummy. Yeah. But I walked away mad because I felt like I didn't stick up for myself. And there's so many things I could have said. And I'm just walking away, like, turning that over in my head. Like, God, you know, I should have said yeah. something. I should have done something. At the same time, like, you could have just, like, you were with your friend. I just turned for like, I screw that guy. Yeah. That guy's a jerk. Yeah. You know? Well, we did. I mean, but like he didn't. But that's where I'm like I mad because yeah, like, I'm you, like you he didn't know, know that. Right. That's yeah. not okay. Yeah, not you know. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he knew that deep down. I don't you know? care. I want him to face the consequences. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He's listening to his podcast right now. Yeah, in France, <laughs> and he's feeling like an idiot. I wrote for this every racist French guy you know. God, there's so many. <laughs> Oh my god! Europe is a pretty. Have you, have you seen those ads? Like, yeah, they're for, really like, racist. Don't come to this country; we'll hunt you down. There, that that lady from Denmark that kicked the kid. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. there's a there's a huge like refugee crisis right now going on from you know like people coming from out from Syria. Syria you know, yeah. and of all places, Germany is the most welcoming, right? Funny, huh? <laughs> Funny, mm. yeah. But, but it, I, I, that's again comes back to yeah. entertainment. I'm saying that if if. Uh, the presence of somebody on television or singing a song that you vibe to again, like people who are like really blown away that they loved the Jabberwockies and then they all took their masks off. Like this actually a French guy that I met a couple of years ago, much older. He has nieces and nephews who were teens at the time. Mm-hmm. ABDC was like all the rage. They were like early teens, maybe like 12, 13 years old. They freaked out. They're like, they're Chinese. Like they just called them Chinese. <laughs> they're Chinese guys. Like you know, yeah, and that's why it was so beautiful about the art. Same with like Far East movement, like people they take off their sunglasses, like oh my gosh, they're Asian, wow. I mean, yeah, their name is Far East movement. Uh, I know, but I know people. You're surprised by that. You're kind of. But then there's dumb people everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I I say the power of art is making art that's just enjoyable and that you're just tells a message. mm -hmm. They need to bring back Saturday morning like specials, right? The one like, do you remember Saturday morning specials on ABC? Like they're pretty much lifetime movies, but for kids. I didn't watch. No, them. I, I did the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, I did cartoons. It happens right afterwards. Like, okay, right after, I like, never after cartoons are over, they show like these essentially lifetime movies, or like you know, like the um, the football team that refuses to to throw a game for money, and like yeah. teaching like oh really? the kid that like um, you know is bullied, but then like stands up to his bullies. It's it's. Do they still have it now? No, I don't think so. Now That's it's sad. all like, you know, like what's what's cool now? I don't know what's cool in the kid uh, world. YouTube? It's just my YouTube, li- yeah. My Little Pony. Like all my friends, they just give their uh, kids their phones yeah. to watch YouTube or their iPads. Well, it'll be interesting to see like how many of those YouTube um, stars really like um, put out a like anti-bullying message this month. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a perfect yeah. PR spot. So, you know. Let's make one. Yeah. Challenge to all you YouTubers out there. Seriously. <laughs> Make a video, yeah, or two. Share but, it. Yeah, no, it's um, anti-bullying is it's bullying is a big problem everywhere. Mm. Yes, you know? yes. I yeah. mean, we're sharing our specific stories. So yeah, but it's a big I, big deal. Yeah, I, I just want to say something that's been heavy on my heart during this conversation. I so you guys mentioned bullying isn't just Asian and non-Asians or within Asians or within the Chinese community. There's all bullying in families too, right? Yes. Um, not just like even the parents and there's kids, but you know, within their, you know, the siblings. And I did a lot of bullying to my brother growing up. I know this for a fact. And that may have kind of this, you know, may, that may have not helped our relationship growing up. I think my brother did a video about this. You can check it out on Stephen KWLM. But 
<laughs> it's something that I did to him, and I, and even my sister, I'm not proud of. It's there's no reason why I should have done it, and I just want to publicly say on this podcast, I'm very sorry. I apologize, Stephen Aww. and Tiffany, for doing that. I, I sincerely did not mean it, and if there's anything I can do to, you make up for it, let me know, please. That's really sweet. You just call him. <laughs> no, it's it's a big deal. And like my brother and I, like my brother that I just did my shout out said he's like he kicked my ass all the time. <laughs> but he got his ass handed to him by my dad. So you know what I mean? And like again, yeah. it happens. And the thing is things are always gonna happen like that and you're never gonna have it easy. And I don't want an easy I'm not trying to make it easy for everybody, but there has to be a way to deal with it is what I'm saying. Like things are gonna come your way. How do you deal with it and not feel so helpless? Because that feeds other bad things yeah you know what i mean so yeah good for you alvin that's very sweet it's very touching so yeah my brother's already apologized to me he's one of my best friends and he's, <laughs> he's like god all the things i did and he oh, actually yeah. forgot some stuff that he did i mean when you're kids you just yeah it's pure instinct a lot of times that's know? what i'm saying like yeah. you just don't know so i feel like but yeah you just support so yeah october anti-bullying month um if you were ever bullied to someone go say sorry you know what? Okay, real quick. There was an NPR thing that I heard that was like the most riveting uh, just – I guess it was like a mini podcast. But this guy just talked about how he bullied the crap out of this kid in high school. Oh, yeah. Where, did I tell you about it? No, I read that one. I, I, I saw that article too. It was yeah, so – Yeah, he like ran into him like as yeah, an adult, right? Yeah, and he ran into him as an adult and wanted to really make up for it. He wanted to like – and the guy thought that the, as adults, he was just like, are you setting me up to like – punk me again and it's just heartbreaking like how much it messed with this guy's head through adulthood because this guy was so mean to him when they were like 16 years old and uh, yeah those stories I mean they I started crying like it was really but I I think that the message is like it's never too late to like make up for what you might have done as a as a stupid kid who knows why you did it or how or whatever but um you know, even as grown people, like, how are you going to make that influence? Like, how are you going to learn from what you went through, either as a recipient of it or the bully themselves, and yeah. m- make it right, you know? Yeah. Do yeah. it. All right. <laughs> well, that's about going to do it for our podcast. Um, no one sent us any emails, so they can't read any. Oh, okay. You guys send us emails. Let me send you one right now. Podcast okay, do it. Thank you, Alvin. You're contributing. Podcast at collaborators.org. We would love to read your emails. It would help me not talk as much. No, we have lots of things to say. <laughs> um, but I love hearing from you. Yeah, thanks for our guest, Alvin Lim of SACE. Um, do you have anything to say? Where can people find your stuff, like your beatboxing videos and stuff? <laughs> yeah, so where you can not find my beatboxing videos is on saceconnect.org, S A S E C O N N E C T.org. There you'll find all about SACE. You hear, you see about our conference and SACE Fest and everything. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. We're supporting Asian Americans in the fields of science and, and uh, engineering, um, especially in you guys do a lot of leadership development, right? Like I'm doing a workshop. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, Minji's yeah. actually go ahead. Let me talk about it. Um, I'm just doing like building the creative leader in you. Yeah. No, just just yeah. No, but I I want like my thing is that I want to take whatever I've learned from collaboration and Marvin knows this very well and forcing people to get up and talk and do public speaking and do improv and um, also, you know, being very intentional about your goals and what your dreams are. I think that's something I learned very late in life. And it's funny because I'm such a in my own way, I'm very ambitious about a lot of things, but I didn't learn how to actualize those things. They're all just kind of ideas floating in my head. Mm. 
So that's what my workshops. Yeah. Well, especially about. in fields of engineering, like you know, it's it's very easy just to put your head down and work, right, right, and just yes. do that for your entire career. I want them to be. Career. But then when you when you're around people, like I have a lot of friends who are engineers, but they're around entrepreneurs a lot. So nice. a lot yeah. of them have started their own companies by now, and they're kind of they're cool doing yeah. that thing, kind of using their skills, their technical skills, and building, creating, and right. being leaders. That's so, the part that yeah. I want to just fuel, like get people thinking about things that they hadn't before and how they can make what they want to happen versus following someone else's predetermined structure and things like that. So I mean, she's going crazy with hand motions right now. So many hand <laughs> motions. I'm excited. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, for Minji, myself and Alvin, you've been listening to the collabcast. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week. Thanks Alvin. Bye. Thanks everyone. Yeah, bye. Thanks, Peace everyone. out. Bye. Go. Cool. Bye.